Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Happy draft day, everybody. Um, it is a monumentous occasion for 32 young men and their families tonight. Uh, many will follow again tomorrow. Um, it then leads into a, uh, a frenzy of buyouts and free agency and and a crazy week of wringing our hands and throwing our arms up in the air with exasperated thoughts of why the hell didn't we do that? And then we all go to sleep for six weeks and we start again in, this, in September. Uh, hi, kids. Welcome to the old program. Uh, I'm me. You are you. And, and therefore, I'm pretty comfortable that you know who you are. Um, we are an inclusive program. Everybody is welcome here. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 territory. Uh, having said all of this, uh, it is a hockey-heavy show, as you can expect today. Um, with any luck, we will have two separate guests joining us from the state of Tennessee, from Nashville, the home of the Predators. Uh, with any luck, um, one of them should be Stone Cold Sober. The other one, I'm, uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, but there is a possibility that uh, that uh, Ryan might be half in the bag when we talk to him. I don't know. Uh, Dean Molberg will join us, or as you know him, Boomer, too. Um, one trade today. So yesterday there was a, a bunch of things involving the local hockey heroes, and we're certainly going to dive into that deal in a second. Uh, Ross Colton now is a member of the Colorado Avalanche. They flip a second-round pick that they got from Montreal in the new hook deal, and that was pretty much uh, what most pundits expected, that Colorado was going to use the draft capital they got from Montreal and flip it for other things. Uh, last night, Tyler Toffoli was traded by the Calgary Flames to the New Jersey Devils for Yegor Sharangovich. Sharon Govich and a third round pick. And we'll get to the third round pick in a second because it's kind of, it's, you know, fun. The 80th overall pick, which I believe now gives the Flames picks uh, almost throughout the draft, not quite, but almost throughout the draft. Uh, a lot of instant reaction to this deal, which uh, thanks to Danny Austin, thanks to our outstanding producer, Jack, we were able to pop on and do a, a quick just a game uh, to react to this deal. Not much has changed for me. Um, I think in fairness, a lot of the other uh, more uh, well-positioned insiders have probably taken over and, and carried the coverage on this one. Um, blockbuster? Nope. Um, you know, is it a sexy trade? Nope. Uh, I think any time that most of us had to Google the name, I honestly, when I heard it, my first reaction was, is that one of the guys they got kicked in on the uh, Timo Meyer deal from San Jose? I, it just, 
the name didn't mean anything to me. And then I, I went and did the requisite homework. And my excuse, and I can't speak for your excuses, but my excuse is, is quite simple. I have been away from it and, uh, and disconnected from the league in a way, working on the other side. And now coming back to it, I got a lot of catch up to do. Um, but I went, took a look at them. Biggest thing I noticed was two years ago, Tyler Toffoli and uh, this young man, Sharon Govich, uh, both 49 and 46 points respectively. Okay. Um, this past year, both had non-typical seasons. I think is what the data or the analytical people would say, non-typical seasons. Uh, you can see that uh, he, uh, Sharon Govich fell off um, his lowest goal total in the NHL. Um, and tied for, you know, he's had 30 twice and 46 once. Uh, Tyler Toffoli led the Calgary Flames in scoring. So when you transpose Tyler Toffoli led the Calgary Flames in goal scoring and you get this guy back and you have to Google him, uh, you're not overwhelmed. I get that. Um, I don't. I don't sit here today to profess to think that this is the deal that will push them over anything. Uh, I'm intrigued by the deal. Um, so were the Calgary Flames because they immediately went out and signed this guy. He had Arbright's an RFA, uh, but according to Frank Saravelli and others, two years at $3.1 million. He will become a UFA in a couple of seasons. You know what that means? <laughs> if he goes off this year and scores 90 goals, uh, we're going to be right back where we started. You know, can they keep him? Don't they have to up? Anyway, that's, that's far-fetched. Uh, a couple things on the deals that I want to touch on. And um, for those who who do sampling of podcasts and, and listen to other radio shows and and do a bunch of reading, uh, I'm a little disappointed that I'm coming to you kind of last with this. Uh, so where I can, I will credit where I can credit. Um, and, and I I really looked at this one last night, especially when you did the, the dive on the time on ice minutes and uh, looked at his penalty killing. He's the number one penalty killer forward wise for the uh, uh, for the New Jersey Devils, who are a pretty good penalty killing team, the same level as the Flames and the Flames might be offloading some penalty killers. So that makes some sense. Um, but I did feel and I, uh, Elliot Friedman has said this and others have said it, this has the hallmarks of why you have Chris Snow in his analytics department. This is why, if not him, then who? Who should we be targeting? Who should we be looking for? Who out there is not being utilized in a top six role that has the ability to play top six? Um, and I'm, I'm again, I'm putting my own words and spin on this. Um, I, I think that, that that this is an analytics pick in the sense of, you know, Chris Snow would have come to, uh, to Craig Conroy and said, here's a list of players um, whose age, age is better, does this, penalty kill, has some offense, you know, can you get them or you should try to target them? And it feels like I'm defending the the deal. I'm not defending the deal, it, but I understand the deal. It was lots of people say, oh, it's terrible. And then I started looking around at some of the other returns. You know, this isn't a UFA. This is an RFA. You control him. He has, you know, he's got the David Moss question on him. And I think Tyler Toffoli has that same question. Are, are you the leading scorer of the team or did you lead the team in scoring? Did you score 20 goals or are you a 20 goal scorer? And and I love David Moss to death, but he got 20 goals once and he answered, it's the David Moss thing. Are you a 20 goal scorer? Or did you score 20 goals once? Um, the other part of this that I am fascinated by, and it speaks to the soap opera-ish, opera-ish, soap opera-ish, the soap opera-like qualities that this time of year has, 
Um, Tyler Toffoli got the microphone first. Tyler Toffoli said uh, he asked for an extension, wanted to stay in Calgary. He's happy to stay in Calgary. No extension forthcoming. Asked for a trade. Then Craig Conroy said, we appreciate what Toffoli did, uh, but we had other decisions that we were making. Leads me to believe that, yes, Tyler Toffoli, if you extended him, would have stayed. But the Calgary Flames had the seven players that we have all talked about that needed new deals. And on their priority list, I just don't get the sense that Tyler Toffoli was at the top of it. And so you grab the high ground when you can grab the high ground. And I know a lot of people, thank you for your honesty, you know, appreciate it. You know, why did the Flames? Flames made an organizational decision. Yes, sure, I'll stay if you're going to sign me long term. Mm, you're not a priority right now. Here's where our priorities are. We, we'll come back to you um, or we might not. And, you know, uh, I believe our next guest is the one that constantly reminds me of this, and I'm glad he does, intellectual honesty. The old Jay Feaster line. If you're not bringing, if Tyler Toffoli is 31 this year, 32 next year, and wants four or five years and you're not bringing him back, why would you negotiate with him? So, yeah, you can demand a trade, but, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And I have nothing against Tyler Toffoli, great soldier, Good human being. Uh, they do so much in the community. That That's not this. It's the business side of hockey. And I would also put this. I don't think Tyler Toffoli is going to be a New Jersey Devil next year. I just don't see it. Could be wrong, but the Devils have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, and therefore we entrust our experts, our cadre army, one might say, of experts. Uh, our next guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Burn that into your brain. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. When you're watching the draft tonight and they go to one of those extended commercials and they talk endlessly and breathlessly about the fourth defenseman taken in the draft, just go to SkiSellerSnowboard.com online. It'll make you feel a lot better. He is the managing editor of Flames Nation. He is the leader of, of this said army. He's in Nashville. He joins us now. He's apparently got a new hat because he just tipped it to me. But it's in verse. Ryan Pike joins us. How are you? I'm good. It's humid here, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. It's been a fun week. I mean, any any week that begins with a, a very deserving King Clancy Memorial Trophy winner and Michael Backlund, yep. and involves hot chicken and barbecue and any number of uh, hockey related shenanigans. I mean, I can think of worse places to be uh, in my life than Nashville right now. I, as the requisite old guy and the geezer and the and the a angry person, I just want to state for the record that I remember when this was a pariah. I remember when Canadians looked down their nose at Nashville and said, how dare you, Gary Bettman? How could you put a team there? Nobody cares. Nobody's ever going to care. Um, and yet here we are. And I think you would back me on this. Not only has Nashville become an NHL man, become a hockey Talk to the number of hockey dads and parents here whose teams are going down to Nashville for tournaments. You know, we might one day take the superheroes down to Nashville because there's a great adaptive hockey tournament down there. There was a big announcement of a, a landmark college program today. Ten um, Tennessee State is Tennessee you know, State. Right? I believe they're the first historically black college or university that's starting a, a hockey program. That is correct. It's correct. massive. And if you look at, you know, if you look at sort of some things that are going on, I mean. Arizona State made the NCAA national tournament a few years ago. Uh, there's constant rumblings about uh, you know UNLV and Nevada opening yep. up their uh, a Division One program there, and you know this 
look look up and down the USA hockey uh, roster from any given year. There are players from Florida, players from Arizona, players from California, very prominently flying the flag for USA hockey. And absolutely, a lot of it's because of you know as unpopular as it is, it's because of Gary Bettman and uh, the NHL's insistence on placing uh, placing hockey teams in markets with big population bases because it's the old fashioned like if you build it, they will come. It's generally worked in most of these markets. But what never gets talked enough about, Ryan, and you can appreciate this, is the behind-the-scenes work that the Predators and the NHL did in terms of creating high school hockey and how much high school ho- They had to create the high school teams. They had to start somewhere. They create high school hockey. They, you know, Carolina, they create, they manage the minor hockey systems and things like that. You know, Wayne Gray, we had Mike Morreale on a couple of days ago to talk about the CEBL, and here we are talking about, well, is it the Steve Nash factor or the Vincinity fa- Vinsanity factor? Why is basketball growing? That's where this, that's this pyramid, right? The big team comes and it gets everybody excited and gives them something to shoot for. This is how you develop a hockey market. And I think Nashville is a hockey market. Yeah. Based on the amount of, uh, of young people we've seen running around here wearing Predators jerseys. I mean, it's hard to argue otherwise, right? Right. It's absolutely. Um, okay. Let's get into it. Uh, Toffoli dealt yesterday. Coming back is uh, Sharon Govich. Um, your, I know you wrote about it, but give me your, your thoughts on the deal. I don't hate it. It's, uh, you know, let's be honest. The Devils could have waited a year and gotten him for free. And the Devils won him quicker than, than next yep. year. Yep. And so they they paid for him. And, you know, the, the third round pick in a good draft is is a nice thing to have. It's, uh, you know, the you have three top 100 picks instead of having two. It's a benefit, especially if this draft isn't anywhere near as deep as people say it will be. Mm-hmm. Uh and, you know, Sharon Govich is a player that, you know, I talked to Craig Conroy this morning. They're at, he's a guy that they feel wasn't really, I'm not going to, I don't want to put words in Craig's mouth, but I, I get the feeling that they feel he wasn't utilized to the best of his abilities in, uh, in New Jersey. Yep. He, you know, he played, you know, we got the stats up. He was uh, last year in 21-22, really good player, basically a little bit over half a point per game, didn't play a lot of power play, played a lot of penalty kill. He yep. was one of the more productive, even strength players the Devils have. Yep. Uh, last season, he was puttering along pretty well, basically another half a point per game season. And then they brought in Timo Meyer, and there wasn't really a spot for him in the top six anymore. And you know, I don't think he, you know, I don't think it's unfair to say I don't think the defensive side of the game is necessarily his forte. Uh, you know, he's a, a very aggressive, very effective penalty killer, but the yep. defensive game, you, know, you wouldn't put him out as a shutdown guy. He's not no. going to replace Michael Backlund. No. But, you know, he's one of those guys that when you put him with good players, he's produced really well. He's playing with uh, with Jack Jack, uh, yep. Jack Hughes and uh, guys of that ilk before uh, before Timo Meyer arrived. And then he's playing with, with no, no disrespect, Curtis Lazar. And Curtis Lazar isn't quite Jack Hughes. And so it was a little bit tougher for him. And he his, his shooting percentage cratered. He was shooting at 12% when uh, he, before Timo Meyer arrived. He was shooting at 3% the rest of the season. So... You know, he's much like there's a lot of these guys uh, who will be wearing a Flames jersey next year that if you look at the analytics behind the, their performance the last few seasons, you go, that guy seems like a pretty good player. If only he had any luck at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he seems if you're if you're banking on a guy who generates chances to with the volume that Sharon Govich does, 
you know, he seems like a, a guy whose percentages are bound to bounce back at some point. It's just I, a question of how much they bounce back. And I know, you know, again, I, I always feel bad because I'm, I'm late to this dance, but Friedman's talked about it. Others have talked about it. You probably even wrote about it. This does feel like it has Chris Snow's hand, fingerprints on it, right? That, you know, go out and find me some guys that aren't being utilized. Exactly what you just said, right? This is, this That's is why you of, have an analytics department. This is sort of a, a Dan Lazar or Dan Vladar kind of pickup in the sense that yeah, there's you know, he was, he was yeah. in a very similar situation where the goaltending department sort of identified guys that would be, you know, don't really have a home in their current market. Can we get him for yeah. something that we want to move? And, you know, the Devils get a guy who can score goals for them in a year they think they can contend. And the Flames, you know, I don't think, I think the Flames are sort of figuring out what they're going to be and what they're going to be will depend on what happens with some other players over the next few weeks and months. Yes. At the very least, if you're trying to maximize, if you're trying to hunt on, you know, a really effective complementary player like Toffoli, I mean, Toffoli wasn't the play driver on his line. He was a finisher and there are a few more effective finishers in the league over the last few years than Toffoli. But Toffoli is not the guy who's going to be first over the boards to do a lot of things. He's a great second over the boards guy. He's mm-hmm. a great third guy in the line. He's a great mm-hmm. guy that can finish things for you. Yep. But, you know, on a team whose systems historically have been center driven, he's sort of the odd man out right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, I think we're on the same page. Although, and I'm the first to admit it, not sexy. Like this isn't, this isn't, whoa, man, I can't wait to start drawing up the lines now with Sharon Govich here. It's a pickup. And, you know, I think when we did our instant reaction last night, Danny and I, Danny was really trying hard to, okay, what is this signal? I don't think it signaled anything. Do you think it signaled anything? It, it signaled they had a guy who preferred to be traded if they weren't going to sign him. Yeah. And they managed to trade him. I mean, you know, I would say the, the, all the, the scuttlebutt from folks like Ellie Friedman and the like is that the Flames are prioritizing figuring out Lindholm and figuring out Nolan Hannafin. Which, yep. or no, yeah, Noah Hannafin. Uh, which is to say, yeah, they probably should. It's your top pairing defenseman, your top center. And then they, they might be more worried about Michael Packland than they are about Tyler Toffoli, which, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But the guys they're probably willing to go long on term for are probably only Hannafin and Lindholm. And with Hannafin seemingly on his way out, it might just be Lindholm. And, you know, the thing that killed, if you look at the, if you look at the contract that Flames have on their books now, which ones keep you up at night? The, the back half of, of guys, you know, Kadri might not age well. He he plays a very physical style. Guberdo, after mm-hmm. the year he had, I can understand him being nervous yeah. about the final eight years of a deal that hasn't started yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mackenzie Weegar, yet to be seen. He was pretty good last year, but still, he'll, he signed at least 36. So if you're someone, if you're in the Flames front office, if you're that analytics group, I would be saying don't give these super long deals to guys on the wrong side of 32. I'd be telling them the same thing, maybe, you know, in less polite terms than than they probably have to, but I I get it. And if you're Tyler Toffoli though, you know, this is your last crack at potentially getting a big deal is, you know, this might be his last contract. So if I'm him, I want a long-term deal. If I'm the flames, I also probably don't want to give it to him. And so this seems like, you know, a, a parting of ways that makes sense for everybody based on where, where everyone's at in their, in their life cycles. Right. I, I thought the comments from both sides, I mean, there's drama to be had if you want drama, and I'm not stirring anything up, but I thought Toffoli took advantage of having the microphone first and took the high ground. I thought what I heard from Conroy, and maybe it's just because I've known Craig as long as I have, Toffoli wasn't in the plan. 
They weren't giving Toffoli a long-term contract. Toffoli wanted a long-term contract. I don't blame him. I want a long-term contract. I'm not getting one. And then, okay, well, then if you're not going to sign me, trade me. Okay. Uh, but I, I I thought it was interesting because I think a lot of people came out and said, wow, how honest from Toffoli. To me, that was just a little hint of the inside workings of this. Yes, I'd like to stay. Yes, I want to be extended. Mm, you're not exactly our priority right now, so we're not going to have those conversations. So we move on. Did you see it any different than that? Nope. nope. And, I, and, you know, it, it's Tyler Toffoli's been, you know, since he's been in Calgary, I think, you know, he's bounced around a bit, but I think he's bounced around a bit in spite of him being just a high quality person. He's, Oh, he was a, this a is not soldier. an indictment he, of him. He's a he great did good guy. Work and, Absolutely. You know, and, and let's be honest. I mean, this is putting Tyler Toffoli in a pretty good position. I mean, you know, you're, if you're playing in New Jersey, you got to work in Newark, but you're across the river from, uh, from New York city. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. You can, get I like Jersey city. Don't ever downplay Jersey city. I like Jersey city. There's parts of New Jersey. that are pretty nice. Once you get out of like the, the main industrial side, like the part right around the river, you mean the part where they there. shot the Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, he's, he's in a position now where he can be, a complimentary piece on a really, really good hockey club. I think the Devils learned a lot from what didn't work in this year's postseason. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, they probably figured we need, you know, more of more guys like Defoli and fewer guys like uh, Shrangrovich. And, you know, that's how it went. And you know, we'll yeah. see how it goes. But I think if you're it, based on, you know, where the life cycles are, much like for, for the, the player and the team, I think for both the Flames and the Devils, I think they kind of get what they need to keep moving their programs along. You know, the Flames are in a reset. They got a guy six years younger with a couple years of team control and now signed to a deal that, that is basically a million and change haircut off of the guy he's replacing. And they potentially open up some spots in, in the top six and the power play for younger guys, for guys that, you know, what want potentially are making a push. Mm-hmm. If I'm Matthew Phillips, I look at this move and go, hmm, maybe there's a maybe there's another spot for me because all of a sudden the flames are short one right shot forward that they had before. Well, you know, you're not gonna get an argument out of me. Uh not on that guy. Um just a thought on to full like I keep saying, and, and again, it's not a uh, uh not a what do you call it, a referendum on him as a human being. He's a great guy. But I don't think he's in Jersey next year. Right. Like this kind of feels like because they've got I, some work to do. I think Jersey's cap structure might play more of a role in that than to fully himself. Like, you know, they, well, that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah like th- this is I think this is sort of, you know, Jersey loading up, you know, Jesper Bratt, uh, you know, is a big piece. Timo Meyer just signed a new contract. I mean, they're putting it feels like they're, they, they have a handful of guys that are really investing in long term. And rightfully so. I think the guys they've signed long-term are the guys they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the goaltending still kind of a question mark for them. Uh, you know, they're the blue line group. I like Dougie Hamilton, but I don't love Dougie Hamilton. Disclosure, Dougie Hamilton was not on my uh, Norris ballot this year. I thought he was good. Uh, I thought he was very good. Not top five good, but he's no. he was very good. But, I mean, you know, he's an exceptional offensive defenseman, and the rest of his game is fine. But... I think the Devils, they, they still don't have that guy who will make them more than fine. Especially, you, you know, you lose David Severson, you know, and, you you know, now that he's in Columbus, that's a, that's a big loss for them. And how do you replace him? So I think there's a lot of the things. To me, you know, I'm sort of getting oilery vibes out of uh, New Jersey where the sense that they have so much of this talent up front. And it's it's good young yeah, talent. Okay. It's the guys you want them to have. Yeah. But you also sort of look at how their team is constructed and go, Hmm. What about their blue line? Who's who's who are going to be the people who are out against 
McDavid. Who are shutdown guys? Yeah. Right? So yeah. I think that's that's always and, you know that's like the the less sexy part of the game. But I think yeah. one of the things that the Flames I think project well on at least on the defensive side is Mackenzie Weaker can play against anyone you need him play against, and they don't really have a Mackenzie Weaker. They have a lot of good pieces, but it's just a question of do they have the right guys for how they want to play, and can they have do they have the ability to you know shut guys down in those three two two one games. Um, we'll come back to the local hockey heroes in a bit. Um, I used to, used to love to come to these events because it's a, a cavalcade of who's who from around the league, all kinds of different voices and all kinds of different reporters. But there's also, I found, a, a narrative or a story that seems to take over a draft or, you know, sometimes it doesn't even see the light of day, but it's the one that's spoken at the meals or at the lunches and stuff like that. What are people talking about? Who are the names that are, you know, in the ether the most on the ground right now, Ryan? There's a lot of Leafs talk, uh, just in the sense of, you know, we just saw, I believe, uh, Alex, who the hell just got signed? Kerfoot? Not Kerfoot. Kerfoot? Someone got, some Leafs player got signed today to a four-year deal. Oh, okay. Uh, that's one of, if only I had a computer, which was to look. No, 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 I, I can do that for you. And and Jack and I are racing to do it first. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, but I, th- I think. David, you know, the- David Camp. David yeah. Camp, do a four-year yeah. deal. Four-year deal. Sorry, Alex Kerfoot fans. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, the, the big question is, you know, okay, it sounds like the Leafs are going to get something done at some point with Austin Matthews. Yep. What does that number look like? What does that mean for Alex Nylander? What does that mean for the rest of the team? Because, you know, the, the Leafs are a very important franchise in the league, and now they have Brad Living at the helm. Now that they have sort of some stability, it looks like in their coaching, it looks like Sheldon Keefe's coming back. So now they've got that's to figure out behind the scenes, you know, what the team will look like and what changes they feel like they need to make in order to really come out and succeed where they weren't able to succeed this season. But we should point out because we were talking about the Devils and I overlooked this. Also signed today was Timo Meyer to an eight year deal by New Jersey. Uh, his cap hit is $8.8 million. We were just talking about, you know, the cap work that they have to do and the belief. I, I guess the belief also, maybe that's something else out there, is the goaltending, right? They moved Mackenzie Blackwood. They, were, they weren't going to qualify, but they got something for him. Uh, they have been whispered as a possible destination for someone like a, a Connor Hellebuck, have they not? Yeah, and, you know, the, the Jets are the other team that people are talking a lot about. It's Canadian-dominated, it seems, because okay. all the conversations are, what are the Flames doing? What are the Leafs doing? What are the Jets doing? We just saw the, the Jets make that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade with the Kings yesterday. Uh, a very nice haul. And the extension for you know Pierre Luc Dubois, the 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 captain he got, basically solidifies, you know, someone like Elias Lindholm in that eight by eight point five ish neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of where he goes, it's probably where the market is for him. And reportedly, the Flames are willing to give him that, if not slightly more, in order to pay yep. a premium to keep him. Yep. So you know, I think there's there's a lot of things like that going on where people are going. You know, there's a lot of teams that are in tough spots because of the cap. It only you know it became official this morning. The cap's only going up a million bucks. It's eighty three point five million officially uh, for this coming season with a floor of sixty one point seven. So there's some teams that can just eat some bad deals to get to the floor. There's some teams a lot of them that don't really have a lot of cap space. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we have a day and a half left of buyout period before silly season begins on Saturday. So it's going to be really, really fascinating to sort of see how all these different needs are balanced league-wide because, quite simply, there isn't enough money in the system for everybody to pay the guys they want to pay. It, there isn't. And, and I, you know, I'm hearing from back here, I'm curious what you're hearing there, is there's a lot of players that are available for next to nothing, but are big tickets, right? Yeah. Like, I think we're going to see potentially 
in the coming days, weeks, months, especially, you know, I think it'll, it might accelerate once we get through arbitration season. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have a situation where a lot of teams make moves in anticipation of, of uh, arbitration awards in, in anticipation of potentially using that buyout window, either the next day and a half or that second buyout window that opens up uh, after the arbitration cases. Because, you know, quite simply, I mean, look at Vegas last year. Vegas had to give up Dylan Coughlin, who's a good player, and uh, Max Pacioretty for free to Carolina just to get out from under some bad deals. Yeah. I think we're going to see more and more of those deals, the the, the lovely future, future considerations deals, because yep. teams, especially teams that think they have a chance to do something smart or something impressive in the in the, in the summer, next summer, they got to get out from under these deals. You know, I'm sure, you know, Vegas, that Kelly McCrimmon, I can't imagine was doing cartwheels giving away two players for free, but they managed to get themselves the Well, I got them where they needed to go, go, right? Yeah. It, so, it got I mean, if, yeah. If you win yeah, a Stanley Cup, you can have a lot forgiven, and uh, silly, silly deals you make in hindsight make a lot of sense. But I mean, we're in a situation where a lot of teams are going to have to make these types of deals in order to get out from other stuff. It, and you'll appreciate this. It is when you take a step back and you look at the business and how it has changed in the in, in the last twelve months, in the last twenty years. And I remember Bruce Dobigan talking about you know cap space will become a thing. And I didn't know what he meant. Like, what do you mean a thing? I mean, everybody's got a cap. But there's more value in having space sometimes than there is having the player. Um, the one thing that Brad Living started that we're now seeing, and you're making me nervous because you're looking down. Do you have breaking news? Thankfully, no. Okay. Um, but we saw it again with Winnipeg and L.A., the sign-and-trade, right? The sign-and-trade is now officially a thing in the That's NHL. That's three now. That's three, right? Yeah, the, so the, the league did not know how to process them. The story I was told very bluntly was the reason why that trade uh, for Matthew Kachuk was took so damn long to be announced and to happen was because uh, they apparently had it done that afternoon and submitted to the league. And the league said, we have no idea what to do with this. Like they, right. they simply did not know how to process it. So right. you know, Brad Jolitting, uh the administrative trailblazer he is, <laughs> managed to teach the NHL office how to do a new function. And now we're seeing more of them. And I think... You know, sign-in trades have been a, a fixture in the National Basketball Association for years because sure, of the yeah. way their CBA is structured, which is very similar to the NHL CBA. Yep. So I, I imagine we haven't seen close to the end of sign-in trades, not even just this summer. I think we're gonna they're going to be a thing that we see for a long time. And the other thing that I think we've seen the last couple of years, but last year in particular with Kadri, is players out there available longer, right? Like it used to be that... You know, July 1st came, and by the 5th, everything was done, everybody go home. I'm wondering this year, because of the dearth of players that are available for next to nothing and, and buyouts and arbitration, if there won't be four or five or six familiar names still available towards the end of August. Wouldn't shock me. I, I think it's going to be really interesting how many teams use that August buyout period because, right. you know, if you if let's be blunt here. If you're using that August buyout period, you're not doing it on purpose. Uh, you're doing it because – a plan you had didn't turn the way you wanted to, uh, and you know, you know, it's it's uh, for from a player's perspective, the second bio period sucks because if you're a team oh. putting together your 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 roster, I mean, you know, you you want to know where you're playing as soon as possible so you can plan your damn life and potentially yep. just get to know the guys you're playing for, the guys you're playing with, and set yourself up for success. And if you find out in August or September, yeah, remember that job you had? You don't have it no more. Uh, it gets scrambly, and that's how, that's how we end up with a very good PTO class. So, I'm really curious. You know, on on, uh, on Friday, the uh, the qualifying offers to do league wide. We've already seen some interesting names not get qualified uh, throughout the league. I imagine we're going to see a few more. 
simply because you know the people look at look ahead to you know we had that the the white knuckle conversation the flames had last uh, mm-hmm. last July mm-hmm. that oh is Matthew Kachuk just accept the qualifying offer then walk uh, yeah. or does someone so and so say they want to do, go to arbitration and what if they get an unfavorable arbitration award you're going to see a lot of teams very nervous about their cap structure and as a result they're going to have to get scrambly yeah. Um, I, I feel we are somewhat obligated about talking about the draft. I mean, that's ultimately why everybody's there, isn't it? I, um, I thought we were just here for barbecue. Apparently, yeah, well, apparently the 224 players are going to be selected over the next two days. Yes, apparently. That's the rumor. Um, interesting picture. Do we, Jack, do we have the picture? Uh, and I apologize because I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, the young Russian. This is uh, Michinov. Um Right, that's that's Jerome McGinley, and that's the kid that everybody seems to be talking about today. Matthew Mitchkoff. Yeah, I don't think he's available at sixteen. But what? Uh, he's come real on. Good, eh? Why would you take a picture with Jerome if you weren't going to be available at sixteen? Because he's Jerome McGinley. I mean, <laughs> kids in Russia hear about Jerome McGinley. He went yeah, to well, it's, it's his it's his it's his account, right? With the legend, exactly. Um, what's your read on this young man? Uh, and and it's. It seems like almost every other draft, there's a Russian story, right? Now, a little bit different. feels like a Washington capital, doesn't he? I mean, that's that's been the – Russia has been – the caps have been sort of the Russia whispers even before geopolitics got more complicated. I mean, yeah. if you're a young Russian player, I mean – uh, if you're if you're a young Canadian player, you probably grow up dreaming of playing for, depending on when you grew up, mm-hmm. uh, the Leafs, the Toronto, yeah, the Leafs, the Habs, or maybe the Bruins, or maybe the Penguins, depending on your age. If you're a young Russian player, you probably grew up uh, cheering for the Red Wings or cheering for the Washington Capitals. So yeah. I think just because they've had the success of getting these young players to commit to them, I think it gives them an edge, and I think that might make them the most likely place for them to go. But, I mean, we've seen the, the San Jose Sharks have success with the breaking over Russians. You know, for I, I'm really curious just in terms of, you know, where does he go and how long does it take for him to arrive? Because he has, I believe, a contract with uh, with the SKA St. Petersburg for another few seasons, at least two three, or three. Three seasons, I believe. And there's no transfer agreement with, with the Russian Federation. He can get out of it. There's been instances of players buying out their own contracts in order to, to go back to, to North America. But, I mean, they're few and far between. And most of the time, you know, if you want to, you know, if, you, if you're making good rubles staying uh, staying home, unless you're, you really want to bet on yourself or you really want to gamble on uh, on your future, why not stay in Russia, right? Yeah, well, it- I think the geopolitics have to be taken into consideration and, and, you know, there doesn't, I don't, you know, I don't profess to be, you know, plugged in on that side, but the, the, the situation in Ukraine is keeps going. I don't know if it's when it's going to stop or if it's going to stop. And, and as long as that's going on, that's going to keep, you know, the double IHF, the NHL and everybody at arm's length with Russia as it should. Yeah. And as should. honestly, as, as long as it's, uh, as long as it's going on, I mean, you know, we're going to see young Belarusian and Russian players who, to be blunt, have nothing to do with the conflict. They're getting, they're losing development opportunities because mm-hmm. one of the one of the best opportunities for young players to play against uh, their peer group, their age group, and their you know their elite age group peer group is the World Juniors and the under 18s and the Holinka Gretzky. And mm-hmm. this cohort of players, last two three years worth of players, for pandemic reasons and then for war reasons, haven't really had a chance to get right. those development opportunities. Whereas yep. you know their Canadian counterparts, their Austrian counterparts, their American counterparts, and so on, they've all had those opportunities. So it puts them 
you know, at a competitive disadvantage. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that's balanced because, you know, at some point Russia and Belarus are going to be back in. I don't know when, I don't know how they decide when they're back in, but it's going to be really interesting to see how many developmental reps these guys lose over the next, over the course of the next year or two, simply because of, you know, stuff that that's out of their hands. How far does he drop? I know you said I know you said Washington, well, I, and there's a lot if, of a lot if, of noise in Washington. Like if, you move up. If right? this was a regular year with no geopolitics involved, talent wise, he's second overall. Um, I'd be shocked if he falls out of the top ten because okay. he's just so good. Yeah. But you know, I think I haven't seen the I, I don't have the draft list in front of me, but I would imagine you know Montreal might take a flyer on him, San Jose, Washington if he's still there with Washington picks. I I don't think he gets anywhere close to Calgary, but. No, he's no. I was sorry. I wasn't this. thinking of that. I, I just I thought the picture was cute. You know what oh, I mean? It, it means no. the Flames are doing their work, right? And I'll and I'll say this. I mean, there's a lot of good Russian-based players that potentially could come up where the Flames go. Uh, you know, Mikhail Goliev uh, is a really good defenseman. Uh, Dmitry Simashev, another really good player. I mean, there's some guys playing in the Russian junior leagues and the in, in the flirting with the KHL who yep. might be around at 16. And if you're Craig Conroy, I mean, you know, we talked about the small factor. I mean. You know, small players, for better or for worse, just sometimes have a harder time translating it to the NHL. And as a result, their draft uh, their draft stock sometimes takes a hit. Andrew Cristal is a good example. He might be a guy from the Kelowna Rockets that is around with the Flames pick, but he's 5'9 and maybe a buck fifty. And will the Flames get scared off by that? Similar with the, the Russian factor. With uh, If uh, Simashev or uh, Gulyev are around at 16, do they go for it or do they go for a safer domestic pick? Well, and I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, are you going to are you going to do a draft mailbag, or is it just going to get caught up in the regular mailbag of Monday? Oh, it's probably going to get caught up in the in the Monday one. I don't have this, time. To, I, I, don't I know. Have time to do a Monday one. I, I know <laughs> how these. I know how these stack drafts go. Like this is the one that the the you know the whatever you want to call them the the diehards the draft guys. This is the ones that pull their hair out. This the, the I can't believe they could have taken him and they didn't take him. He fell and they didn't, I, I mean, I've seen this movie a million times. There's going to be lots of second guessing that's going on here. But I think you've you've spoken about it on our program a lot. Like, this deep. Like, this is a deep, this is a special draft. The Flames at 48th overall in the second round might get a first round caliber player in any other year. That's, in, that's insane. That's what you, okay, perfect. That's what you need to know, right? That's yeah, what you like need to know. They essentially get two first round picks in this year's draft uh, just by having their first two picks. Uh, the player they get in the third round is also going to be a pretty good player. Uh, it, it, I've, I've been told it starts hollowing out after round 100. So, okay. but I mean, heck, if you, you know, most drafts, if you can get, you know, three or four or five good players in the top 100 and then go to your area scouts and say, guys, pull a rabbit out of a hat, you know, that's, that's the kind of approach that's worked for the Flames. I mean, you know, for better or for worse, the Flames have been able to find quality players, you know, the 2021 draft, maybe notwithstanding. Uh, because that was such a weird draft. But, I mean, yeah. if you look at some of the drafts they've had, you know, they got Jeremy Poirier in the third round. They've gotten, you know, Andre Mangiapane in the sixth. They've gotten Rory Karen, so I still think has Wolf, a lot of upside seven. in the sixth. Uh, right. Even even Ilya Solaev, uh, yeah. who was really good in the playoffs for the Wranglers, really good in the second half of the season, they got him in the seventh round. They got Arseny Stragaev, uh, who's uh, heading back to UConn next year, the undisputed starting player, and who coincidentally would plays with uh, 2023 first-round candidate uh, Matthew Wood at UConn. He was the seventh rounder too, so I mean, you know, they all the picks count the same, and if you use them intelligently and if you take gambles on the right types of gambles, they can turn out really nicely. Is this a goalie draft for the Flames? 
I'd say yes, but I'd say probably late. Probably oh yeah, late. no, no, no. I, I on Thursday they'll pick but, a goalie. But you know what I mean in terms of having the system with always one. But they kind of need to draft one this year, don't? Or would look to draft one this year. Don't need it, but would look to. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of interesting goaltenders available in this year's draft. Like, you know, there's some there's some reentries. I mean, the, the two Seattle goalies tell you the tale mm-hmm. of this year's draft. I mean, yeah. you know, Scott Vasilev was a very good goaltender when Thomas Millich was away at the World Juniors, and you know, Millich when he was in was excellent. And you know, Millich is a guy who's a, he's a bit smaller as a goalie, mm-hmm. and that's referred to a bit. He doesn't quite have Justin Wolf level complete outlier numbers, but he is a very good and consistently very good WHL goaltender. And, you know, he's going to be, he's, I think, has a, a year left of WHL eligibility. But he's a guy that, you know, you're getting someone who's a bit more mature, maybe a bit more further along his development, whereas Ratzlaff, a bit raw. I don't know if there's anyone, you know, maybe, you know, Carson, Carson uh, Bjarnson out of Brandon. He's a guy who is kicked around as a first-round name. He seems like he'll go in, the, in sort of the early to mid-second round. Yeah. Uh, but he might be the best goaltender in this year's draft class. But, you know, it's... It's goaltenders. I mean, ask Pinder about goaltenders. Uh, the Flames have had some of their most infamous whiffs early on. Even, even you know, I'll say this, like Brent Cron and Leland Irving in their draft years were exceptionally well-regarded. They were guys that were seen, you know, when, when Cron was drafted at ninth, people went, yeah, that sounds about right in terms of the – Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And absolutely. Same, with, same with Leland Irving. And He just, was one of the players made available to the media before the draft in Vancouver. They took the top players. He was the top goalie. They and then for Croner's poor knee, just, you know, he his lower body just disintegrated. And, you know, I don't think you can predict that. So, I mean, you know, it's a, uh, and even, even like Leland Irving played NHL games, he just found his level. It's goaltender development, I think you can talk to any scout. I mean, ask, ask a goal, scout that's not a goaltender about goaltenders and their, their face will go white. They're like, please don't ask me specifics because, you know, even with, even with skaters, skaters who have, uh, you know, a less uh, precarious development path. It's still a it's still a crapshoot projecting these guys, and especially sure goaltenders with so many. Like, I have no idea how these guys don't blow out their hips. At, you know, the first time they do the splits. I, I people are just not designed to move like that. So, uh, betting on an eighteen year old who does that all the time to not eventually have his body implode. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hear you. I feel I feel more old and out of shape every time I go to one of these things in the best way possible. Uh, I, I've done a lot of work on drafts before and think, but the one regret I have that I never did, and maybe you've done it, maybe, maybe you haven't a thought on it, but are there any markers? Are there any indicators? Are there anything that, that show us a draft in which there'll be movement among teams and, and picks other than really shallow drafts where anything can happen 2012 in Pittsburgh, but I would, I would call this one, I would say this. There's a, a general consensus about, I'd say the first, definitely the first two picks is going to be Bedard and Ventilli. Then you have another group of five or six guys that'll be gone by six or seven. And then you have another maybe half dozen guys ending up at like, I'd say around the first dozen to 14 players. There's a general feeling of how things will go. Maybe not the right order, but sort of a mix of guys. Mm-hmm. Once you get past about 16, 17, I think there's a, a wild lack of consensus. I think in our consensus, we, we, looked at all the publicly available draft rankings uh, and there was I think about 12 guys that were considered first round picks on every single ranking you know maybe not in the same spot in the first round but generally everyone had a consensus on them being first round picks right after that uh, there's always one or two rankers who go no nah, don't like that guy I mean there's Andrew Christopher is a good example he's he's a guy who is, I've seen as high as eight or seven and some some rankings just don't have him in the first round 
it's, it's that kind of draft. There's there's yeah. any guys that could go as early as 15 that some teams will go, I'd have them in the first two rounds. Yep. It's going to be chaos. And I think 2012 was chaos because there was such a lack of depth that mm-hmm. after the first 15, 20 players, it was a, a free-for-all. Oh, it really this was. Kind of, this kind of feels similar in the sense that someone's going to come up at 17, like, you know, I'll say, remember 2020 when the Flames traded down twice because mm-hmm. they had Connor Zary and a couple other guys on their ledge, and they yep. went, we can get Connor Zary, we can get some picks at this. There's going to be, I think, a lot of stuff like that because there's, there's going to be players that, you know, when the Flames pick even, there's going to be teams looking up going, ooh, the one guy that we have left in our mix is still left. Let's make an offer. And similarly, there'll be, you know, probably teams who come up to the podium and have like five guys on their list and go, maybe I'll move down. So I think there's a big potential in my mind after the first, I'd say dozen to 15 picks of just complete chaos. Um, let's go back to the local hockey heroes. Uh, and not even really. Uh, Milan Lucic appears he might be going back to Boston. That's what we're reading today. Uh, the Flames were, you know, kind enough to give him you know, permission to go and talk to teams. Um, you, do we have any sense of anything, you know, any reason to rush anything along for Calgary? Are you expecting a Hannafin trade today? Maybe, maybe not. I think they're sort of, I think they're now in a situation where they're waiting for the right offers. I think with Toffoli, I think they got the sense that the offers were going to get much better and that yeah. this is the kind of thing where they, you know, Guy they wanted, pick they wanted, they pulled the trigger because it fits sort of the parameters. I think they sort of have some parameters in mind for any potential trade they want to make. I think they've asked around just in terms of what's available, what kind of offers would be available, those kind of things. I imagine there's probably ones they have further along than others because you know they don't want to you don't want to really explore trading Elias Lindholm too much if you still want to resign Elias Lindholm. Right. Uh, but I think you know there's the potential. We've been you know there's been chatter about potentially uh, you know Nikita Zadorov's been. The, Reportedly, the Flames have been asked about him. Uh, I imagine the Flames have probably been asked about a bunch of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Vladar, you know, over at, over at Daily Faceoff, I think five of the top 50 players on uh, Frank's trade board were Flames. One of them, Toffoli, has already been moved, so there's four more left. Uh, Lindholm, Hannafin, Backlund, and Dan Vladar. Yeah. And I would suggest a Dan Vladar trade could happen at any moment. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened during the draft, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a thing that happened a little bit later on when teams were a little bit clearer on their overall cap picture because yeah, he reminds me he, or not reminds me he feels like a day two draft trade either for a yeah. you know for a pick that's coming up or, they, or they, whatever they, they got him for a third round pick and i think they'd be happy if they got a second back for him i think they'd sell for a, a third but i yeah. know if, if you break even and you get a couple years out of a guy i think you're probably feeling pretty happy if you end up getting something a little bit better a la ray tobera and that in that swap i mean yep. If you can, if you can get something and you know be ahead of the deficit spending a bit, I think you're pretty happy with that. So I'm on the same board with you. I think it feels like something that you know after breakfast on Thursday, our phones will all ping and we'll hear about like, oh yeah, Dan Vlardo, wherever for whatever. So, but it, it feels like that. I don't know if there's anything necessarily imminent, but you know, when I talked to Craig this morning, he he gave me the the, the wonderful line of you know you, you show up and you don't know how the chatter is going to be, so you keep your ears open and you keep your mind open to things that might help the team and. I honestly think that's probably how they're approaching things right now because you know they, they know they have a lot of work to do and I think they've got to, after especially after the last you know couple months of, of off season hand wringing I think mm-hmm. they have a much better sense of what they want to do than they did two months ago. I'm curious to see what time he shows up, Craig, because my thinking is you know this is one of those events that now the staffs are all showing up and 
you've been there before. You know what happens. There's handshakes and there's hugs and then there's get down to business, right? And there are GMs that show up real early and then there's other teams that aren't going to do it. Like I would doubt, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but Kenny Holland and the Oilers probably don't show up until about a half hour before, right? Because they're, they're there to draft. Um, yeah, and if you're if you're Conroy, I mean, it's your first it's your first uh, kick of the can, and you know, first day of school really. So it's a chance for you to sort of go and you know turn a lot of conversations from text chains into something yeah. real. So I mean, you know, I, I'll say a lot of a lot of stuff that happens down the line. You know, I talked to a lot of former Flame GMs about this. Uh, a lot of things that happened at the draft start off as uh, conversations at the trade deadline and yep. vice versa. So, I mean, at the very least, you know, a chatty guy like Craig can plant a lot of seeds for things that can improve the hockey club. Yep. No, uh, Brad for Living used to t- tell me that all the time that, you know, this really started at the trade deadline and, you know, we kept picking it up and then it really heated up today, that sort of thing. Before I let you go, um, just a couple of random ones. Eric Carlson. Uh, I know that Mike Greer has come out and kind of poo-pooed the idea of them picking up much of that contract. Um, the player wants out clearly. It, it, what are we missing about this? Where, where's the logical landing spot in all of this? Is there a logical landing spot in all of this? Who has the cap space for him? That's that's the thing that frustrates me. I mean, he's such a good player, and he's still got a lot of a lot left in the tank. I think yeah. even at his age, he's he's admittedly a fairly one-dimensional player, but he's he's probably amongst the best in the world at that you know that dimension and there's plenty of teams that could use them but at the cap that he's at there, i don't think there's a lot of demand for paying full freight for him um and then winnipeg and you talked that winnipeg was also a story there we, we saw the uh the deal yesterday pierre-luc dubois goes to los angeles you like the hall coming back you had you had no problem with velarde and kapari and uh, they got a they got a pick and three good players out of it so i mean you know, it's it gives them some depth. It gives uh, Kevin Shelldale some options, and you know, gives them the ability to sort of trout out a roster. But you know, it, it's there's there's still dominoes left to topple in, in Winnipeg. I mean, you know, there's Blake Wheeler situation. There's Connor Hellbuck situation. There's Mark Shifley potentially. So, oh. you know, I I don't uh, I don't envy Jets fans because you know a lot of the guys they've become to to know and love over the last few years are potentially going to be playing elsewhere come September. Tell me about, okay, so you say they got three good players. Tell me about Kapari because there's a danger in uh, scouting through stats and obviously the numbers don't pop for you right now. But is this a guy that, you know, is well well regarded in, in prospect circles? I think he's, he strikes me as sort of a, a B-plus player. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that hasn't really fully blossomed into the 200-foot the player they hope he would, but he's, he's still really reliable. He's really consistent. Mm-hmm. And he's the kind of guy I think is coaches love because he he's like a metronome he you know you, okay. he never I, i've never been blown away by him in games but i'm consistently impressed by him simply because he's so consistent and he's always in the right spot so okay no i again i've been out of it for a while so i mean i'm you know velardi i knew and and i follow i knew and you can always use a draft pick but there were some other names in the in the organization that i think you know people were wondering whether or not would have been thrown in there and i think they got away without having to do it right yeah, I mean, anytime you can add uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and you don't give up Byfield, I think you're pretty happy. With well, that. that's the guy, right? No Byfield, no Jerkot. I mean, there's a lot of guys they held yeah. on to. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll let you go. It's a busy day, obviously. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, what should we look for at Flames Nation and, and what's going on? Well, we're going to have break, live breakdowns from uh, all the draft picks over the course of the weekend on the site. Uh, and, you know, once the, the picks go up, I'll be running around like a lunatic to meet all the uh, all the new flames as they are made available to the media so uh, it's going to be chaos but uh, it's the kind of chaos that we enjoy because uh, you know we're, we're in a fun town when we get to 
to you know be in the trenches and bring folks uh, up to the information as things happen. And you know, Rob, I know, I know you speak. I'm preaching to the choir here, but hmm. this is this these types of events, these types of weeks are when you feel really fortunate to be able to do this because you know, yeah, there's I, a lot. There's you know, due to the the state of how things are, unfortunately, media wise, there's you know not a, not as many outlets as they were in the past coming here, and we feel really really fortunate to the folks who support us uh, both on the business side and on the the, the, uh, the readership side because you know if if people don't support what we're doing financially and if people don't support what we're doing uh, with their time and attention and passion, then we're just sitting in our basements for the most part, uh, you know, screaming into the void. So. Uh, I just want to make sure we get that on the record that you know we're all we're all really excited to appreciate it. I I think it's awesome, dude. I think the fact that that uh, Frank and DFO is down there and the Barnburn's down there and Gregor's down there. There's so many elements. You know, we got writers down there. Like this is the next level. Like as we're shutting down traditional media, it's this it's this level. It's picking it up and and cleaning it up and I wish I wish, I wish I wish we had more traditional media though. I, I you know more the more people here, the more people around and able to tell stories i think better is for oh yeah from that standpoint but remember a lot of us too are grumpy no i'm i'm grumpy i'm just excited yeah no i I don't blame you uh enjoy it we will uh catch up with you next week um and looking forward to but like you say if you can try to find heaven and and find a little fun in nashville do your best to find it i'll do my best all right thanks ryan Ryan Pike, the managing editor of Flames Nation, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Now, the locations have all closed for the summer, and that's okay. They'll be back in a couple months here once the uh, seasons begin and we get going again. But if you want to do a little dreaming, if you want to do a little thinking, head on over to the website, SkiSellerSnowboard.com, because it's open all of the time. We are uh, hoping to hook up with Boomer. That's that's the plan. Um, you never know. Uh, he's probably of the guys on that show the most reliable. Yeah, I'd say so. Right? I mean, if you're going to book one of those guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, there is a bit of a history with Pinder not showing up in Nashville, but <laughs> I don't think that's been brought up, so that might be new information. Uh, since we've gone on the air, we've been on the air now for about 55 minutes. Has anything happened? Not that I can see. No, nothing. Okay. Well, <clears throat> and they may be keeping the powder drive for the world famous Gary Bettman. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a trade to announce speech, uh, which everybody seems to love. Um, we do have a trade. What? Holy uh, cow. Pittsburgh gets Riley Smith from Vegas. Okay. Uh, for a third round pick. Third round pick. Yeah. Riley Smith's one of the originals, is he not? Yes, he is. He's one of the guys that came over from Florida. He was a storyline along with... Uh, um, uh, your con Smythe award March or so, right? So Riley Smith goes to Pittsburgh. So Kyle Dubas begins the rebuild or retool. It's a retool because you got, you got the big three there. So, okay. So you said, what was it? A third round pick? Third round pick. So just a salary dump, uh, Vegas, I would say. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's his contract? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you look it up and inform us, Jack? That would be a good job for you. Um, we are uh, we are sitting here a day after the Calgary Flames. Well, made a trade and then signed the young man. Uh, as you joined us off the top, uh, Sharon Govich got a two-year deal, $3.1 million per uh, that will see him through his restricted free agency. He'll be a UFA up the other side of that. Um, and uh, the other news today was from New Jersey was Timo Meyer, an eight-year deal. So he gets a deal done. What's the cap hit there? Two years, five million. They move for a third round pick. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. Stanley Cup pedigree. The guy can play in big games. Um, yeah. Um, and that, I think is what I was expecting more of, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. uh, but so much for Gary Bettman wanting to hold the powder dry on some of these big trades, right? He, they're still leaking through. Um, the Flames now with th – this is fun. Do you have a graphic? So they're now picking in the third round again. It's their pick. Th this is I, – I love stuff like this. It is such a the, – the pick they got back from New Jersey. Originally – Traded to the Seattle uh, Kraken for Cali, great flame, Cali Yarncroak, and then went to Columbus for Bjork Strand, and then to the Devils for Damon Severson, and then back for Toffoli. And so the Flames are picking at number 80. So that gives them uh, some good capital in the first three rounds of this draft, in which you just heard Ryan Pike talk about is a deep draft. Um, so for the Flames and their uh, scouting staff, which has not been affected, um, yes, Brad Living's not there, but Craig Conroy was, it's not like Conroy came from outside the organization. He was the guy that and you probably have read, uh, uh, Ryan Pike and some others, you know, talking about 
the role that Craig Conroy had. This is a good draft for him. And on the other side, I believe um, that the Maple Leafs can't have Tree Living at the table for the first pick that the uh, flames made that a condition of employment that uh, because he was leading the flames draft process, they didn't want him leading the uh, Maple Leafs draft process. So anyway, that, that we've seen little things like that before. Are we stopping? We're not stopping. Click oh, <laughs> the wrong button. The show, show's <laughs> over. Wait, we haven't had Boomer on yet. Uh, we did not get to Michael Backlund. Congratulations. To Backlund, who won the uh, King Clancy Trophy Award for his leadership on and off the ice. Anders Lee and Darnell Nurse were the other uh, uh, finalists for this award. Uh, Michael Backlund receiving it on uh, Monday at the NHL Award Ceremony in Nashville. Uh, I, full, dis- full disclosure, um, happily work for one of uh, the, the partners that, that he mentioned, Parachutes for Pets, but also works with Special Olympics and ALS and the Kids Cancer uh, treatment center. Um, just a, a deserving pick. So happy for him. Um, he has, it, I, I looked at all of the love he was getting on Monday and I'm like, I, I could send something out, but it, it begins to feel a little bit like piling on in a way. I, I think when you look at Backlund, he's an easy guy to like. And I think the media in Calgary like him, they've adopted him. Um, you know, he's got great relationships with everybody. He's a guy you pull for him and his wife, Frida have done so much in our community. Um, they, you know, I, I mentioned it before in a way have, have, you know, taken the mantle from Mark Giordano and his wife, Lauren, and, and how giving they are and how much they put back into the community and how much that that's important to them. And I, I value that way more than, uh, I value the on ice, which is, pretty much the reason you should probably not hire me as your DM uh, because I, I don't value the same things that other people do, but um, you know, here we are the draft and and I'm going to bore you. And, and some of you know this story, but 2007 the draft was in Columbus. And uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned to Ryan is the NHL did a good job of bringing the top prospects and, and making them available. And um, you know, for the media that traveled and not a lot of media were traveling early to the draft before, you know, in Columbus in 2007, but there were a fair amount. Uh, so Patrick Kane was available. James Van Riemsdyk was available and on and on. And then, you know, Michael Backlund was there and I, I didn't profess to know a lot about Michael Backlund, but I also know nobody was really talking to Michael Backlund. So I, I went over and um, you know, just did a, an interview. The English was okay. And, but you know, an 18 year old kind of in this new country, this new, you know, uh, environment, if you will, uh, looked a little wide eyed and, and first couple of questions were just okay. And then the third question is, you know, what, what do you know about Calgary? Well, Backlund lit up like a Christmas tree. Of course he had come over with his team and played in the max tournament and was the MVP and loved it here. And that really ignited the the conversation. We had a really good chat. And then, you know, so we ran that on the show all day. And the next day, lo and behold, the Flames draft him at 24. And, you know, Peter Hanlon and the Flames bring him over. And we get to do the first interview with him. And, you know, it, it, it just the relationship began from there. But the, the one story I wanted to tell was back in 2012, we, we started a, a, a hockey camp for kids uh, that didn't go to get to go to hockey camps, you know, um, from – you know, heroes hockey and the even strength program and, and kids sport. And the flames were kind enough to, to make Michael available. So he came down and he met all the players and signed autographs and took pictures. And he was a rookie himself. 
Um, but it was, I'll never forget it. He was so gracious and answered a bunch of questions and was happy to be there. And that's the Michael Backlund I know. And, and, uh, you know, to move forward 11 years and he wins the, the uh, King Clancy trophy. That, that was pretty amazing. Is our next guest here? Did I hear? Did I hear yes, the right? He is. Really? Cool. Uh, brought to you, but of course our guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. Skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. And our next guest and I uh, used to do this for a living. We would go to drafts and we would cover them. <laughs> and, uh, Unlike now, where we just do it out of our own pockets and uh, for the love of the game. <laughs> really, ultimately, ultimately, it was always about, you know, out yeah. of, you could get into out-of-pocket expenses if you want. If you remember yeah. the draft in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, you remember when uh, we used to get paid and did this for a living? Yeah. yeah. Those were the days. Those, Those were the, the days. days. Um, yeah. Tell me about Nashville. Tell me about the the draft tell me about the last couple of 24 hours what's it been like it's we did a lot of them you did them before i showed up and we did a lot of them together it's it's very much the same you've mm. got it's interesting that it's 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 not a big city obviously nashville you've got a number of different teams in a number of different hotels but it's all it's just hockey people everywhere it's yeah. all there's somebody you know and there's somebody you know and there's somebody you know hard to get a a real because there's two things going on for us, right? We've been talking flames, so it's almost more been about who's getting traded and what are you getting back than who are you picking in round number one. We've spent very little time, at least we have, talking about who's who's available. But um, it's there's that energy, there's that buzz. It's hot here. It's really warm today. Is yeah. uh, probably not a shocker, but yeah, it's going to be. I know we talked about it on on the show earlier. If if all of a sudden something happens with that number two pick and all of a sudden if Fantilli isn't the guy and maybe there's a Russian name called at number two, the buzz that could be in the building. So we'll, uh, we'll be excited for that, but no, it's just that kind of a lot of parents, kids, kids looking awkward in suits and moms mm -hmm. helping straighten their ties and that sort of thing. So it's yeah, hours away from the draft. We were in Ottawa in what, 2008 and we were downtown, way out of Canada, um, uh, way away from Canada. And remember, we got back yeah. to the hotel. And there was only one place open, and that was Tim Hortons. And we were yeah. across the street in Tim Hortons and uh, Tikhanov, right? He got drafted. Right. He was. He had the hat on. He had the jersey on. He was lining oh, yeah. up. Like he it, was it, pumped. I mean, I don't. <laughs> he probably didn't care that it was Tim Hortons. No, uh, probably had different ideas for your draft night celebration post uh, draft night party and maybe go for a nice steak maybe sure. have a bottle of wine or a double double and a boston cream <laughs> um is it surreal at all for you it kind of went over the head of ryan and i don't blame him it's not his era but it's our era that you know one point nashville was the butt of jokes right like why why are why is the nhl there like you know and i i don't want to pump his tires if i don't need to but Bettman saw something because in 2023, this is a hockey, this is a hockey center. This is a hockey city, right? Like th this yeah. is not an afterthought. It was the butt of the joke. It was, and at the time, obviously no other sports franchises here. How would you just pick Nashville, Tennessee? Very not a traditional hockey right. market, not an overly big market necessarily. What possibly, what trending did you see that was going to lead you to, to put a team here, but they did a lot of things, right. Um, that the building, as you know, is right on Broadway. It's, yep. it's not Canada. It would be the opposite. 
here you come out of the building after a Preds game and you're right in the thick of, of Music City. Yeah. That's awesome. The fans, I think you saw it now with Vegas and how that's their team. The Predators were Nashville's team. They didn't have any other... I think it's different for because I've talked to some people about it. You had the Titans when mm-hmm. the NFL comes here, but you already had fans that, well, I'm a Packers fan or I'm yep. a Cowboys yeah. fan. There were no really no hockey fans, so they had no real obligation other than, than to be Predators fans. The rank's great. Ownership hung in there. And you talk about loyalty for David Poyle and Barry Trotz to last yeah. as long as they did here. Probably a, a testament in the end. You look at where they are now. They get to that cup final a few years ago, and um, it it shows no sl- signs of slowing down here. It's it's a cool spot. People people love this hockey team here, that's for sure. Oh, so with Trotz, uh, was there a meeting of the Royal Manitoba Water Buffaloes? Did you guys all get together? I wish. All the Manitoba guys get together and swap stories? he's one of those guys, if you see somebody in public, you don't bother them, leave them alone. But man, if you could ever get a few minutes with Barry Trotz, he's got stories for days. He's happy to share it with you. Um, It it kind of feels right that he's back here. You know, Mm -hmm. he was in Washington and the Island and did some winning. Obviously it was kind of neat for him, I guess in a way to get away from Nashville. It felt like it was going to be hard to win here potentially. I don't know if it's a huge free agent destination, so cool for him to win, but cool for him to be back as well. And I think he's probably going to do a pretty good job here as as the GM. But um, I I don't know what – when you think of the Predators, what are they? Forever they drafted D. They were D first. Yep. And the odd forward mixed in <laughs> here and there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what they are right now. It's a time of change. And obviously sure. Trotz with the Johansson deal the other day, he's moving out money and getting ready for a, a bigger cap lift next year. But it's, uh, it's a fun spot. It, it, would be, it would be neat, I would think, to be a Nashville predator here because you'd be a big deal, but I think people would be respectful of mm-hmm. your space. They're used to seeing – Music celebrities yeah. and music stars everywhere. Like seeing Carrie Underwood is not a huge deal for people here. They're they're used to that sort of thing. But it would be, be pretty special, I would think, to be a predator here. You'd be a big fish, I think, if you were here. Have you crossed paths with uh, any of the local hockey heroes? Have the uh, have you seen the whites of their eyes? Or can you, in fact, confirm that the Flames are in Nashville? I can confirm they are in Nashville. We uh, we left for Nashville yesterday morning from Calgary. Got to Chicago, tight turn, getting on the plane, and Ryan Huska and Jason LaBarbera and Kale McLean and some of the other guys, they had been in Chicago well before that. They had a flight, and it got canceled. They put on another one. That one didn't work out. So finally, by about six or seven, whatever time it was last night, they got on the plane. And I uh, I sat next to the head coach ah. on the way to the uh, – so I've got all the trade secrets. Oh, you do? Oh. Yeah, no, it's, and you didn't use them on your show. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save it. Just the game, Robbie. Just yeah, the game. I understand. I understand. No, I, I mean, you don't want to be that guy and badger the guy's ear off. And they're, I don't know what his what his role is, right? You come in and, hey, guys, oh, that's a good player, is it? Okay, yeah, we could use good players. That sounds good. That sort of thing. So um, it's, it's a quick in and out for those guys. But I know that uh, Conroy and the likes of – management types have been here since Sunday yeah, and got some business done yesterday. And I, I checked in with, uh, with Conroy earlier today, just to kind of get a, an idea of what's going on. And he just basically said, uh, not much, but he's excited to use the draft picks. He's like, we're going to make some picks today. So, um, 
it might, I wonder if we don't leave here, Rob, and it's to Foley out, Sharon Govich in, and then some young draft picks, and that might be it. Well, yeah, that, and that seems to be the direction it's headed. Um, do you have a thought? I'm sure you do. Sharon Govich, um, you know, the, the high, the 20 out 24 hour rule. It's not a sexy pick. It's not a wow pick. Anytime you have to Google the guy to find out who he is, that's one indication of this, but I kind of, I, I think I see Chris Snow's fingerprints on this a bit. I think the one thing for sure is they, they, they wanted this player. They had their eyes on him, or at least to a certain degree, that if yeah. this guy was available, they were interested to what extent was going to sure. be determined, I guess. But yeah, if if you didn't have to go and Google Sharon Govich and look at his numbers and find out more info, then you're better than a lot of us, because I, I sure did. Knew yep. the name, knew he was a devil, remembered seeing him on the ice, but beyond that, couldn't uh, sure. couldn't tell you a whole lot about it. I We were talking about it this morning on the other show. If if you took away his production from last year, where the goals go from 24 to 13, if you just had 16 goals to 24 goals, hey, this this guy's a player. So then yep. you look at it there, it's like, well, now 24 to 13, and from 46 points to 30. I think if you just wiped out last year, yep. you might feel a little bit differently about it, wouldn't you? Uh, I, I Absolutely, you would. you got a kid on the rise. But yeah. you, these both players involved in this trade have the unique thing of having those one-off years. Because if you're looking at Toffoli, is Toffoli always going to lead your team in scoring? No. And that was a career best for him. This guy, you know, he dropped, like you say, but was that because of usage? Sounds like it. You know, It sure does, like, yeah. Right? And for, for the Devils, right? You're, you, yeah. you miss the playoffs, you pick high, you have a lot of young forwards, and you can go through and look at them. It's sure. Dawson Mercer and Michael McLeod and Miles Wood. And it just, you know, they had Zetterlin there for a while. I just... He got passed over, and whether or not it was just by virtue of that or whether his style of play, but he went from a top six guy and playing with Hughes to a bottom six guy, and power play minutes turned into PK minutes. Yep. I think when you look at when you look at the points per 60 or however you know you want to take the ice time, because his ice time went down, I don't know that it dropped a ton, and that would be the one thing, that he's been yep. a fairly consistent performer at that rate. I think he's going to be given an opportunity to be an offense first guy in Calgary. They're, I don't think they're bringing him in to be a penalty kill specialist, at, at least not at first, right? If it happens to be that that's where he ends up and that's where he ends up, but he's going to get a chance to, to score and play some big minutes. Will he play on that top line? I, I don't know. They talked about being able to maybe use him at center, potentially try that for a little bit, but uh, I, I'm with you. When, when you first heard it, and I, maybe we were out to lunch, because it just felt like, what are they going to get for Toffoli and a first? And what else? What's the haul going to be for this guy? And then uh, the player felt a little underwhelming, and so too did the pick. Yep. So I, yep. We may have been way off. You look at some of the older players that got moved. Kevin Hayes for six, pick, Taylor Hall yep. for kind of nothing. So yep. maybe the Flames did well in getting a pick and a, and a younger player for Toffoli at this point. I, I was I – was... Fascinated by the conversations that were had last night, first by Toffoli, and then actually almost, and I don't think it was a response, but it was the answer by Conroy, um, quite clearly that, you know, of the seven players, this was not somebody at the top of Conroy's priority list to, to lock up long term. Yeah. Right? And... And I think Toffoli kind of set that table. And maybe I, what was first? Which was the chicken which was the No, end? exactly. Toffoli, that was my point. Toffoli yeah. finding out that he's not in the plan, so then he wants to be traded? Or did he say, I want to be traded? And he's, well, okay, then we'll, we'll move you. 
it just makes it makes sense, right? Sure and yeah. I think he was the one guy, Rob. I thought maybe you hang on to him and get him to the deadline, and you get mm-hmm. fewer teams maybe in the mix, but maybe mm-hmm. the price goes up. Yeah, but it's not a guy who's you know he's. His value is not going to be higher, I don't think, than it is right now. Teams might be more desperate, but I don't think you, you'd be able to offer him more than what he is right now coming off that career year. And then you risk injury and you risk playing time and production falling and all of that. So, yeah, really, really thought it was going to be something more than it was. And yeah. Sharon Gove, prove us all wrong, come in and score 20 goals. That'd be awesome. And they say, I'm sure they think that he can. The one thing that it does, I don't think the production equals, but I think that the speed goes up significantly from Toffoli to Sharon Govich. It's not to compare the two, but no. they, they never, they haven't been a quick team for a long time. And Daryl Sutter talked about that. You can play fast even if you aren't fast, but yeah. this guy's, he's got some wheels. That won't hurt. Now it's just a matter of finding a, finding a spot and seeing if he can put the puck in that. Well, I would think this is the most we're going to mention his name until he comes into camp and does something. Right. I'm yeah. more fascinated about, you know, Coronado and I'm format, you know, and, and Pelche and, you know, maybe even to a lesser extent Poirier because they're going to need blue liners at some point. And he seems to be the top of the young guys list. So would you like to know where he is? Um, we is funny. We went at we went at this geez, two months ago. Lindholm, you keep them, you get rid of them. You were in the camp, yeah. if I remember, you know, was moving on. Uh, have you changed your mind at all about about the player, about the situation, or, or would your preference be that the club move move forward without him? It's so hard. It depends what your focus is. If you want to win this year and next year, and you want to look at last year as being an anomaly, and it was oh, we're a better team than what we were, we can get into the playoffs. And once you get in, anything can happen. Then you definitely he's going to be a big part of that. I just. You, you forget how long these deals are when you sign. Oh, oh it's a four-year deal. It's a five-year deal. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. And he's he's a fine player, and he makes guys around him better. And I, we, we kind of – like Bergeron light, I think he could – Yeah, I, I think that – yeah. right? But he a light version of that, yeah. But yeah, yeah. he's not going to hurt you. you can, yeah. He'll win draws. He'll be respectable defensively and all of that. Yeah. But how long and to what end? I just think there's never – you never hear a team say, man, we're in a real spot. We have too much cap space. We just have too little tied up in dollars for a cap right now. It's always the other way around. And you see some of these deals that happen where you can be a landing spot. You might get a Ryan Johansson for nothing if you right. can. Or maybe you get a player and a draft pick. It's – it's macro or micro. What do you want to do? Do you want to try and get back in and win right away? Or are you looking down the road? And I know you guys beat this up every day, but it's kind of my little crack at it. Can you truly go through the rebuild process with Huberdo and Kadri and Markstrom? Are you half pregnant or are you pregnant? Right? <laughs> well, I, I think you can't. I think sometimes you just have to be half pregnant. I, I, there's been Because you can't I'm move. Sure. You couldn't move. At yeah. this point in time, I don't think you could move any any one of them. And maybe you could move Kadri and Markstrom by retaining and stuff like that. But you can't. Yeah. I can't see a scenario in which you could move on from uh, Huberto. Yeah. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. You think of a team like Buffalo that tried to get young. Well, you still had Kyle Ocpozo, and you're, there, There's still going yeah. to be some yeah. players That's true. that don't yeah. fit into that. But be a good pro. Be a leader. And yeah. do your best to kind of earn that money, I suppose. But 
yeah, you're talking to me. It's less about Markstrom as it is the other two guys. There's so True. much time left on yeah. those contracts. True. And I mean, Huberto's had the points. So is he, is he a greater candidate to get back to that production? I don't know. It, and it comes back to the Lindholm thing is just how quickly things change. Where a year ago, right? We, what were we talking about a year ago? Huberto that wasn't even didn't even talk about him. Let alone he'd be here and sign a huge extension. And now, should he have signed the extension? I just feel like with with Lindholm, you might be doing the same thing in eighteen months down the road. Thinking, we'd love to have those eight and a half million dollars a year back in addition to the cadre and and on all of that. Um, can you be half pregnant? I I think that there's if they're going to get pregnant, they, they may have to be half pregnant just with how much dough is still on those books. I, and then when you buy somebody out, at, at what point is – where's the oh, tipping I, point in that where it makes sense? Or the, do you just let the guy play and pay him? The only thing – the two things that come into this for me is the fact that we could be $10 million above the cap in two years from where we are today. Yeah. Right? But you can't go out and spend that. Right. Like, you you know, that that might just make it a little more palatable. A, yeah. a t- an eight point five million dollar contract at the end of that contract may look and feel more like a four and a half, five million dollar contract does now. Right. I mean, the, we've seen. Oh, well, yeah. That. But, yep, goes up. The cap. But yeah. but the other point and the bigger point for me is the position. If you take him out. Who's your number one center? Kadri, yeah. Right. If you and if you take him out, you're probably not bringing Backlund back. So now you really have eroded that middle position, and everybody's applauding the Los Angeles Kings now because they have Kopitar and Deneau and and Dubois up the middle, Edmonton up the middle, right? Vegas yeah. up the middle. That's the one piece, and I think we're of like mind and repeat the same thing over and over again. There are not 32 number one centers in this league. There just isn't. Yeah, and he's a number one center. I know just in talking with with Treliving last summer, the 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 option and the availability to go Lindholm, Cadre, Backlund. How many years we've talked about Backlund? If he could just be a third line center, he'd be a near perfect third line center. Right. It was not just adding skill and all of this, but it was that depth down the middle that was going to be such a, a bonus for them, going to be such an advantage. And I don't know that I ever looked at for a, even a game or two. Do you? Where it's yeah, that, that depth down the middle is why they're winning hockey games. Or look how they're getting the, an advantage or they're they're one step ahead of this team because of that mm-hmm. depth at center. Now, not a lot went right last year. Maybe it takes time, but uh, that was... It was kind of was more like, thank real... God they've got Lindholm. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. the opposite of that. It was more like, well, we're clinging to the side of the boat because of him. Not we're you know, winning the race because of him. And it would have sucked for him too, right? You go from being on the best line in hockey. A lot of people are telling you how this you're you're part of the best line in the National Hockey League, yeah. and then your two guys leave. Yeah, and then you know your production's going to go down because it just is going to. Even if Kachuk and Gaudreau were still there, the production may have gone down. That's true. So it's a it's a hit to your a bit to your pride and sure. your, your confidence and all that. And probably hockey's a little bit less fun when you're not racking up points i don't think it was fun for anybody last year no i don't think it it, it was (laughs) right it's you have to know yeah 
what is what he wants. And I know that Craig has talked about it and Rhett's talked about it. You need to have guys that want to be here. Now, let's be honest. Are you going to find 20 guys that think Calgary is the best market in the National Hockey League? You're not. But you can't have guys looking over their shoulder, looking to see what else is out there, because that stuff's infectious. And we know that that room needs some real work done to it. If Lindholm can't give you an answer right now that he wants to be here, Rhett said it today. Isn't that kind of an answer? If he needs another few months or another I, I, in a year, I'll know. Don't you kind of know? I, I think it's it's like the football analogy. If a quarterback starts talking about retirement, he's retired. Yeah. He doesn't want to get yeah. hit. He doesn't. If, if well, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of Johnny last year, right? Because Johnny was positive. They're going to yeah. get her done. Oh, it's, it looks good. We're going to get her done. We're going to get her done. You just, you know, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, what? Where'd he go? Mm-hmm. Right? There is yeah. an element to that. I don't disagree with that theory at all. I don't disagree if you with go that theory off, at all. Yeah, if you go off what you heard on Locker Cleanout Day, if there was one guy that seemed like he was oh, he was mad around, it, yeah. it was Toffoli. Yeah. Oh, I love it here. I love, love playing for Daryl. Love it here. It's great. Yeah, I'd absolutely look at signing. He's the first guy out. So <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those, always be wary what guys say 100%. in the media. Those exit meetings. Oh, he really wants to be here. Or, I, or somewhere else is fine, too. I have been talking about it for a while. I take no pleasure in talking about it for a while. But how big is the Calgary factor now? Do you think it's... Now, I guess, to what end? I think, I think if you go back a couple years, I think you go back to Blake Coleman. You overpaid to get Blake Coleman. Good player, but you overpaid to get Blake Coleman. Um, I think that the building, I think the history, recent history, I think the fact that this team is always in the middle and never, I I don't, there's no secrets. Everybody knows everything Mm now. Um, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, that, that Mike or that, uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk may go down as the greatest drafted player by the Calgary Flames ever, you know, but he didn't want you know he, he well and i part I of it think it's lifestyle part of its taxes but part of it you kind of want to have to want to be here don't you you do have to want to be here and the trouble is i think right now and you get it if you're 24 it's a big world out there there's some exciting places to be mm-hmm. if you're 30 31 and you've got kids and a wife all the you know, being a good place to raise a family and the taxes and I could maybe get more money there. And that, that it starts to change. And that's what's gotten them in, into trouble in the past. Troy Brower, happy to come to Calgary. I'm already building a house there. Yeah. I remember that. Canada oh Day. man, that's right. Yeah. That's not what you want. You don't want to have that retirement deal where guys come in and I'm building a house and this is great. Are you done or are you getting started? It's settling down settling down and it happened with it god love brower troy's a great guy yeah but i he'd be i think he would even tell you that it that it did it didn't work with james neal i don't think it hasn't worked with blake coleman but to your point you had to pay to get him at the same time i don't think it's quite as bleak as it looks it's it's hard to maybe defend that opinion with what we've seen i think johnny wanted to be here and outside forces took him elsewhere Okay. I think that that day where he said he's out, he also said he was in and then things changed. Yes, he and, did. Yes, he right? did. Yeah, no. And that's so 
and and that's the human being component of this too, right? Yeah. And if you're Matthew Kachuk and you say, well, you can make nine million in Calgary or nine million in Miami or Los Angeles. Well, yeah, I'm going to send. Yeah, Miami sounds awesome. I'll, I'll wear flip flops and tax free state and all of that. So I, it's such a but it is it has been an issue. And I think it, it'll continue to be an issue. Canadian markets. There's some guys that just don't want to play in Canada. And not all, and not all of them are, are Americans either. There's some guys that just want to play in the U.S. They want to yeah. play in a U.S. market. It's different. People don't like to hear it, but the crowds are different. Fandom is different. It's just a, a different level of passion here for sports. So the building isn't good. The, the current state of affairs, it's an odd playoff team, right? If you yeah. were winning, that would help too. I think sure. that all of a sudden the winters are a little warmer if you're going to round three or get into a cup final on a routine basis, but they've got some work to do for sure to build that up. Cause right now it's not as bad to be a Calgary flame as a lot of the people in the league are portraying it to be, but there are other places that look pretty good in comparison. You start to, and, and I think Conroy and again, can help with that. Mm-hmm. You start to win and, and things can slowly start to change because you were right in the teeth of it. No four. Oh yeah. Players Sea of Red, it would be awesome to play in front of a crowd like that. Oh, it was talked about around the league, how great it was. The Red Mile and everything. Calgary was yep. It's like, man, if we could only have what Calgary has in terms of, of a fan base and everything else. And you can have it again. It's just going to take some success and some work. And this isn't a, a Calgary thing. I'm, I am concerned about Winnipeg. I am concerned a little bit about Ottawa. You know, Ottawa, great young cadre of talent. Debrinkit doesn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Winnipeg's had its run. That one feels like it's going to kind of empty out here. Um, all due respect to our provincial capital friends, you take the t- best two players in the world out of that market and it's going to become hard to draw again, right? Yeah. It's t- it is tough in Winnipeg. And, and then you start to go to some of those other markets. Ryan and Red had an argument the other day. And Red's point was, when's the passion going to be back in the game? Kids just could be thankful to be in the league. It's an honor to do it. Because right now there's too many young players who, if they don't like their situation or they don't like their coach, they're just going to go. Right. And and sometimes it's about money mm-hmm. and sometimes it's about lifestyle. And, and mm-hmm. I get all of that. But you go back when Jeff Carter didn't want to be in Columbus. He was remember in Philly, that? Goes to... You remember those? That, oh, what yeah. was it? Four hours, eight hours in, in Los Angeles of the draft, right? Yeah, that was a crazy stretch. And then what did he do? He kind of, I don't want to play here. Okay, well, you go to L.A. and win two cups. That's the other part. It's working out for a lot of these guys that at the end of the day, they aren't worse off for requesting a trade and wanting to move on. And I I would think it's life's pretty good for Dubois today. Europe. I'm I'm out of Winnipeg. I didn't want to be here. Montreal's good. Los Angeles. Yeah, I'll be a king. Team looks good. It's unbelievable living down here. It's... It's a struggle for sure. And it won't change for Winnipeg. It's just that's Winnipeg. It's the market. It's the winters and all of that. And I think, I think sometimes people just aren't honest with themselves. I'd love to play for this team. Yeah. Get on a, get on airplanes and go and see these other rinks and these other teams and these other towns and the lifestyle play in the Eastern conference where your travel is so different. Go to a state where you make, an extra two, three, five hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars. Rhett talks about it all the time when uh, yeah. Brian Campbell got traded from whatever it was, yep. uh, Chicago to Florida. He's making an extra million dollars a year just in tax savings. It's that's real life stuff that you can't 
if you're a GM, you can only paint so rosy a picture when that's when that's the case. And I don't think that's that's going to change. It sucks. It does. You'd like yep. you'd like it to be. You've got a cap for a reason. It's supposed to make everybody competitive, but it's nice. There's nice weather and nice cities out there. Um, I, I you got me thinking about something when Rhett says that passion, right? Because you know, I, I this is not me, you know opining for the pre-internet days but there was something kind of glorious about growing up in the late 70s or the early 80s where you didn't get it all you got a game a week Mm -hmm. you had the hockey news and the hockey digest and there were teams you never saw in a whole calendar year just didn't see them right you just didn't have that access and and it was magical rick west had put this out yesterday the canadian youth sports report i don't know if you saw it boom but um, no. 4 million Canadian youth participate in one or more organized sports and activities, uh, representing a present, uh, participation rate of about, uh, 67%. Soccer is the most popular youth sport with 16% of Canadian youth between three and 17% participating in it. Then it's swimming, then it's hockey, then it's basketball. The, and this is where it gets interesting. 50% of Canadian youth follow at least one pro sports league. So 50%, 57% of our youth, half care about sport at the professional level. 27 follow the NHL, 16% follow the NBA, 12% follow the NFL. New Canadians, 27% of new Canadians follow the NA- youth, follow the NHL, while only 8% follow the NHL. Yeah. Future future fan development, man. Like these leagues have got to start getting these kids invested. Like, do your sons care about? Do you? I'll, I'll do it differently. Your, do your sons care at all about the CFL the way you cared about the CFL at their age? They wouldn't be able to tell you what teams are in the CFL. Like they, they wouldn't be. If you were to say what which CFL teams are, they they would run out of time. They would not be able to name them to you. Um, yeah, I, I, with the, the NBA is interesting. Is that spinoff from a Raptors championship not that long ago? Yeah. Probably, and, and, right? and, and actually, some people down east will tell you uh, Vince Carter. Because sure. I thought it was Steve Nash, but it was Vince mm-hmm. Carter. And yeah. it's led to this. I mean, you know, there's a surge game tonight, and our Canadian players are all almost all from Ontario, right? Most of the Canadian players in the CBL are almost all from Ontario. Yeah. Right? See, I, I, I always, when it comes to enrollment in sport and you see the hockey numbers going down yeah i some of that obviously is tied to kids interest but it's also the cost I oh 100 percent. if you were to just give kids their druthers and say pick a sport i think there'd be a lot of kids that would want to play hockey but man it is it's, it's rough expensive. i'm not telling anybody that stuff they don't know if you got kids you know how crazy it is and it's not going the other way whereas you know, you can right. jump in the pool or go run on the soccer pitch it makes things a little bit easier but um, but having said that, this, it's not like the CPL has been an overnight smash success. It's been good. It's been the best domestic league I've ever seen. But, you know, based on, uh, you know, as long as I've been alive, soccer has been the highest particip- participation yeah. sport in this country. It's just never really transferred into the pro leagues. Right. So when I hear I Rhett come- talk about passion, I, I yeah. there's something there. Like, and I brought up the examples. You know, Mike Pekka missed an entire year. Alexa Yashin sat out for a long period of time. I guys forgot about asking, Pekka, yeah. I right? forgot guys about Pekka. Guys have been asking yeah. for trades 
his point is a lot of time it's it was due to money, whereas the Flames sure. couldn't pay Joe Newendike or couldn't right. pay or we're, we're Dougie going to Gilmore, pay yeah. Doug Gilmore or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Whereas now I think dollar for dollar, there's, I don't think there's a lot of teams that are saying that we can't afford him. You find a way to afford guys now, but um, you got to win. You, yeah, you got to win. You have to win. And Rhett said it again today. You go back since they won a cup in 89. There has not been a lot of playoff games played here. We had an interview with Matt Stage in a couple weeks ago. It's like, God, barely played any playoff games. Mm-hmm. We talk about Giordano. He hardly played any playoff games. Yeah. Um, and some of these Tampa guys <laughs> have played 60, oh, 78. They you know, played seasons. a season's worth of, yeah. of playoff games. It's true. And then, it's absolutely and true. And then you watch it. Yeah, you watch a team like Vegas, six years, they've been five years and been to the cup final twice. It can be done, and there's different ways of skinning the cat. So why is it so hard? This is not a team that is paying the salary cap floor. They're paying guys to be here. It's not the worst because they don't. The, world. the reason it doesn't work is because they won't accept failure. And yeah. you, you need to, like, this whole bullshit, pardon me, Ty, I apologize. Uh, about not saying the R word. And I heard it from Feaster and we heard it again from John Bean. I think you can look, you, you don't need Murray Edwards to make some public speech saying we're not allowed to rebuild. Just look at this team. It's yeah. never been as bad as it could be. Right. So now Danny Austin reminded me that year that they traded Aginla and Bo Meester, they were going down that path. Right. But then the mm-hmm. find away flames happened. You know, they got Hoodler and they, they just can't help themselves, right? Like, yeah. but if we get in there, we could get some playoff games. If we get playoff games, that's revenue. It's a business. I get that. But you've got to fail. Ultimately, to be successful in this league, you have to fail. And they're so afraid of failing. Well, and, and you could argue they, they have failed. This has been a non-playoff team. It's, it's how but they, they always but, yeah, but But they always push to get back. Like, they'll spend yeah. money to get. This is never, to your point, this has never been about spending the money. It's never been yeah. about try. They've always tried. That's not the issue. It's yeah. they've never picked higher than Sam Bennett at number it's, four. It's, it's crazy. And meanwhile, the team up to the north has had what three had three first or first overall picks in four or six years or four yeah, yeah. first overall picks in six, and they got the best generational player again. Right. We had Sarah Valley on today, and he was talking about just the whole notion of. Oh, he hates building. Calgary, doesn't he? He does. Well, he, he hates Calgary. Hate Calgary. Right? He hates no, he Calgary. Doesn't. I, you know what? I think he likes to. I think he likes to spar with us. He knows he can go back and forth. I laughed when I but saw that stuff last. Week. It does. Yeah, it it does feel in, and I do agree with him to a certain point that there's a notion among fans that there's just a belief. If you're bad for two or three years, then you're going to be a elite team by year four or five. You're, you're going to pick high, potentially, and you hope that those picks come through, but it's not always nope. a slam dunk, right? Buffalo, nope. has they, they've gone through two or three of them, and they're, they look like finally they're coming out from LA. underwater. It really hasn't worked for the Coyotes. There's a lot of teams out there, even the Senators, right? Finally, now it looks like the Senators... But how many times would you, I mean, how many restarts and, oh, like I just said with Edmonton, I mean, you go all the way back to Gagne and Cogliano, right? Like how many restarts and rebuilds and everything? Show me the rebuilds that have been successful. First go around, did it right, done. Houston Astros, right? We're going to suck. And five years later, we're going to be World Series champions. It's hard, man. 
Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. It is. And I think from an ownership standpoint, it was not that long ago, all things being equal, where the Dome was not sold out. They weren't selling out the third deck. It was, you could get tickets day of, it was easy. And I don't know that we get back to that, but it would, if, if they're a bad team, they're not going to be selling out games anymore. You saw in Winnipeg, right? Every game was sold out forever. And then, oh, tickets are available. Oh, mm-hmm. it's more and more tickets are available. So mm-hmm. I, I do see both sides. I think that ownership wants to win and they don't want to stink because then if we stink, we're not making the playoffs, so we're not getting that. And if our season ticket base goes down and our day, our sales go down, then there's less people buying beer and all that. It has major financial repercussions. Uh, it does. I, it's a business. I get it. Yeah, so it's a to, to spend, as you say, spend other people's money or to lose other people's money, it's a dangerous game. But I do feel like that it's a savvy enough market that if you were taking some lumps to get young and to try and get better, mm-hmm. Flames fans are going to get it. They're going to come out and support the team to a certain extent. And I, I just I, remember we, we've gone through a couple waves where the team, it was an old team. I, I just always remember the Owen Nolan and Ole Jokin and Bertuzzi was here. And then just kind of real quickly, Gaudreau was in and Bennett was in, and Monaghan was in, and it was such a breath of fresh air. Now, they didn't win a cup, but the style of game and the excitement at the rink and all of that just jumped up tenfold, even though the results were kind of the same. Maybe you were making the playoffs and losing in round one, or maybe you weren't making the playoffs, but the product was so much more exciting. I I, I think that Flame fans get that, and I think they would be there for this team. I, I'll take Bedard out of the question. I think if this team were able to draft Fantilli at number two, people would be over the moon. They'd buy tickets to go watch that caliber of young player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, of course you want Bedard. Of course. And that would be a no-brainer. But I think they would take even a really good Matty Beneers. Like, is Matty Beneers a Hall of Famer? Maybe. Is Matty Beneers a generational player? No. But he's a good hockey player. He's a good yeah. young hockey player. They love that here. They loved it when they had Monaghan. They loved it when they had Goudreau. They loved it when they had Kachuk, to your point. Right? Yeah. They loved it. And and Iggy, right? Sure. It's sure. It's a different when when the when the on ice product is so it's going from Goudreau to no Goudreau, when you just don't have that guy that can kind of get you lean and let, let alone come out of your seat, kind of lean you forward. And you kind of feel the buzz in the rink as he's got the puck coming through the the neutral zone when you don't have that and it's kind of dump it in or try and get through and getting stood up at the line and then dump it back in and that it it becomes a very less entertaining product and i think that craig conroy's talked about that we need to get more skill we got to let young guys create we got to let them make mistakes and not feel like they're going to be banished to the press box or sent to the american league let them be creative there's so much creativity and skill in the game right now which is why I think people are get get some of that here. Let's go get some of these young, flashy kids. We don't care. Go through your legs. Do it. Do a Michigan. Don't care. Let give it a shot. Why not? Let's see what let's see what we can do, because um, it, it it gets it's been bogged down here. This was a mm. tough year of Flames hockey. A lot of nights to watch. It was. Um, I'll let you go, but before you go, tell us the game plan here. Um, so the draft is in a couple hours. As soon as it's over, you guys hit the air. Stay on until the last caller. So what, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning? Uh, Back yeah, up yeah. at 8 tomorrow yeah, for round like two. What? 
Um, tentative. We'll see how things go. Okay. We'll see how things go. No, we, where we're staying, it's right close to the rink. So we'll go over for round one, as as you know, generally, whether they do something or not, uh, the general manager yeah. uh, comes to the to the wall and talks to the media. So we'll we'll be there for that and see what there is. It does not feel right now like there's going to be much in the way of of a trade. Feels like one pick for the Flames in round one, and that'll be it. And then you get into day number two. Um, there, there's there's some just talking to Frank and talking to some other people, the Mishkov kid has some people very excited. There's a lot of people well, who, see who the are saying, today? yeah, I was there. Yeah, see the Joe, picture today? Hey, maybe. You know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Hey, look who he's with. Yeah, look, hey, look what but the there's... kid said. He's with a legend. I know. Hey. Which one's which? Yeah. Which is the, which? Um, exactly. <laughs> There's some thought that anybody, this whole narrative that uh, he's Russian and he may not become an old, he may, that that's really overblown, that that's kind of old school way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, NHL's the best league in the world. You want to be a star? You want to make all the money and be a celebrity? This is how you do it. And this seems like a kid that wants to do it. And does Pat Verbeek shock the room and go with two? Who knows? But um, I, I, I wish Craig was picking a little bit higher. Right. You kind of have that sure. peak sadness. You're right in the middle and yeah. you feel like you'll be a pick or two after some really exciting players go potentially. And then and then you get to round two. But we'll see what happens tonight. There's doubt that there's going to be much movement in the top 10 based on what you hear. That yeah. you know, Columbus, maybe they'll trade that third pick and mm. does not sound like they're no, it does not they're, sound like. Yeah, they're aware that pick three comes after two and after one. Like, that's yeah. the third pick of the draft. Oh, really? Is it that early? Then maybe we'll hang on to that pick. I, there's, it's always fun when there's fireworks, right? When there's we have oh, a always. trade to announce when Gary yeah. comes to the podium yeah. and lets one of those go. I'd love to see that tonight. And then whether they're rebuilding or not, there's going to be a very good, I think, young player. Everyone talks about how great this draft class is. Let's see who the newest member of the Flames is going to be. What's forward, D, the one thing I think is fair, best player available, right? This is not drafting out a position of need. Best best player, best player yeah. available. Yeah, they could use some some D help, but I think it's best player available. And and for Craig, it's kind of cool. First time on the podium as a as a GM, making his first ever pick. It's got to be special for him. Yeah, I hope he doesn't get jittery. When or or just there. start talking. Start <laughs> Man, I remember when I got my name got called. Oh man, it was awesome. I met Garth Brooks one time down at Tootsie's, and oh gosh, Garth's such a great guy. Remember, oh, I just you know friends in old places. Just love that song. My wife and I we played the dance at our window. I know, I know. He's the best. What are you uh, going to do for uh, for the? Are you having a tonight? party? Yeah. No, uh, we've got People. a surge surge game. Surge your host in Scarborough. Yeah. So somebody's got to turn the lights on. I'll text you. Let you know who they take. If you don't mind, that would be yeah. great. And, yeah, and let you. me know if you, when you start your after show and when it ends, right. I'd like to know. Yeah. And get on early tomorrow. That's the key. Based on how uh, the, the responses have been going, I'm, I'm okay not taking calls. It's okay. We'll just let <laughs> responses Craig and the boys... to what? Oh, just shared what is, who is this guy? Oh, he yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, it is what it is. And, and yeah. this is the draft for it too, because it's so thick that whoever they pick, there's going to be some watchers that go, you could have taken him, yeah. right? Yeah. I uh, can't believe, could you not have moved up? Oh, yeah. don't move down. 
Oh, good lord! No, 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 no! You might get down and get an extra pick. Nine extra picks, but why did you move down? You could have had him. Yeah, use that pick. That would be the best thing for all of us, I think. Yeah. Appreciate you doing this, pal. I hope you're finding something to do in in Nashville between the you know the hockey stuff. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of people. I said this to Pinder. The thing I've noticed, Rob, is uh, a lot of the media people that cover the league now they've gotten younger. Have they? And I've stayed the same age. Georgie it's Richards? a lot of young writers and reporters, and it's uh, yeah, it's a is, is Georgie Richards a young there? man's game. Is Georgie Richards there? I have not seen. You know, I saw Port's line. Oh, okay, just when I, uh, I think I was, yeah, I was getting the Uber to go. Uh, to go over to the studio there. So I saw a ports line. I heard there was a Mike Zeisberger uh, appearance. Wow. Shanahan was at Tootsie's there last night, but now in terms of the media, it's a lot of young, yeah. young up and comers. Hey, they're vibrant. Yeah, they are. They're, they're trying to make their name. Yeah. Trying to make names. Staying power. Yeah. Yeah. Some I... of them have been here since Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. I... <sighs> Those were the days. Can't do it. Yay. Can't do it. Come on, boom, let's go. Uh, I'm good. I'll catch you. Yeah, I'll meet you there. <laughs> I'll meet I'll you there. Yeah, I'll meet you there. Yeah, uh, I'll meet you there, guys. I appreciate you doing this. We will be watching with great interest. Thanks for popping on, pal. Sounds good, pal. Take care, right, buddy. You better. Hey, yo, boomer from the barn burner, live from Nashville. Of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. Ski Seller Snowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. The stores are closed for the summer. They will reopen in the fall, all four of them. And they will be ready to roll for a great ski snowboarding season coming up, starting, well, in autumn. Uh, Jack, before I go to the final mile, uh, we were on for another 45 minutes. Any trades? Nothing new, no. Nothing but new. That pick in the Rice Smith trade is not till next year, 2024. Oh, it's a 2024 pick yeah. from Pittsburgh. Yeah. They probably didn't have a pick to send this year, <laughs> but they get Riley Smith. That's a lone trade of the day. Uh, get to the final mile. Uh, and I just, I'll do this. Um, sad news today for Calgarians, uh, a gentleman who, uh, I think all of us have the utmost respect for, uh, Dan Carson passing away. Dan, the longtime uh, voice of the Calgary Stampeders at McMahon stadium was also country one Oh five and six sixty news. Um, just, a. uh, uh, Prince of a guy. I the, the, please do not want to interpret this as we were close friends or anything. I I I knew Dan in passing. I knew who he was. Uh, he was always very uh, nice to me and respectful to me. But um, just that calming, soothing voice when you stepped in McMahon Stadium and you heard it. You knew you were at a Stamps game. You knew that uh, Dan was your friend and he was there to be there for you. And as well uh, on one of the most you know uh, powerful morning show combinations for a long time. And uh, you know just again so by the outpouring of support just so respected in our community and um we have to say goodbye and i think we had to say goodbye a little early in this case so i just want to recognize dan and his family um and all of his friends and his stampeder friends and, and everybody it's it's an in, he's an in, institution in this city and um deserves the respect that goes along with that we'll uh, we'll leave it there today 
thanks to everybody for joining us. Thanks to Ryan Pike, uh, managing editor at Flames Nation. Make sure you're uh, plugged into whatever was being written there. It'll be all over on the Flames, and then Barnburner guys are down there. We're back on Friday. Eric DeHatchuk will be with us. No show on Monday because of the long weekend. Peter Marr joins us next Wednesday. So lots of hockey still to be determined. Lots of deals still be determined. Free agency, all kinds of things. Enjoy the draft tonight. Don't forget the uh, Calgary Surge are in action if – uh, you know, perhaps you're one of those people that can, you know, do two things at once. Surge at home tonight to Scarborough and you can bring your phone and you can keep track of what's going on in the draft. Uh, looking forward to that game as well. Thanks to our outstanding producer, Jack. Thanks to you. We will see you soon as Friday, actually, maybe sooner. You never know. Uh, have a great evening, everybody.